season of mists and mellow fruitfulness, close bosom friend of the maturing sun, conspiring with him how to load and bless with fruit the vines that round the thatch eaves run. So begins John Keats's To Autumn, as he praises the bounty of the season. Nowadays, it's a time of knitwear, pumpkin spice, Halloween and shops putting out their Christmas wares. What superstitions and folklore can we find amid the commercialism? Find out in this week's episode of Fabulous Folklore. Hello there and welcome to Fabulous Folklore, the podcast for all things folklore, occult and just a bit weird. I'm your host, Icy Sedgwick, blogger, fantasy author and your guide into these rather mysterious realms. I've got some rare things to show you, so come on in, take a look around, but be careful not to touch anything. These things sometimes bite. Well, hello there and welcome back to Fabulous Folklore with me, your host, Icy Sedgwick. We are now in October and it is starting to very much feel like autumn where I am. The trees are starting to go gold and yellow and weird shades of green at the same time. And it all looks rather lovely until you go outside and you realise how cold it is. But there you go. Now, we did start this particular episode with part of To Autumn by John Keats. And it might surprise you to learn that he's actually my favourite poet. And we studied him at school and I've loved him ever since. And that one always springs to mind around about now because as much as I'm not a big fan of wet weather, I do absolutely love mist and fog because it just makes everything look and sound so totally different. But anyway, before I start waxing lyrical about how much I love the autumn and mist and weird weather conditions, I think it's probably best if we crack on with this week's episode of Fabulous Folklore because that is indeed why you're here. Now, this week we are doing autumn folklore because somebody did ask for that over on Twitter and it was surprisingly difficult to find that much stuff, but I've done my best. And then for the rest of October, we're going to be looking at all things deathly because obviously we had like Halloween season last year for the October 2019 posts and I didn't really want to revisit them because I say I've already done them. So this year we're going to start off with autumn folklore and then we're going to move on to all things sort of deathly so we've got things like Charon, who's the ferryman across the river Styx in Greek mythology, so very much associated with death. We're going to be having a look at the Dead House as well, which it has a suitably gothic name, and things like the Fetch and other deathly omens as well. So it'll be all things spooky for October. So with all of that out of the way, let's crack on with this week's episode. <laughs> Now, where I am in the Northern Hemisphere, autumn is certainly one of the most stunning seasons. We do watch the trees discard their summer finery while the rest of the world prepares for the slumber of winter. And obviously in 1819, John Keats did consider it to be the season of mist and mellow fruitfulness. And he goes on to wax lyrical about the ripe fruit and the specific songs of autumn that differ so vastly from the songs of spring. And I do always think here of like that lonely call of a crow always sounds really eerie when you hear that and it's such an autumnal sound as well. Obviously the natural world is shutting down and in earlier times this would be the period when people needed to gather as much food as possible before winter set in and from what I can gather at the moment up the road at my local Tesco it seems like people are doing the same thing and it's like please stop panic buying. But anyway I'm going to be good and not mention that again. So with plants dying back and the possibility of hard times ahead, it's unsurprising that there are a range of autumn superstitions and omens about the months to come because this would essentially be how people would keep an eye on what was going on in the world around them 
in order to potentially survive what was coming. So we're going to start off with Michaelmas, which is the Feast of Michael and All Angels. And this actually falls on 29th of September, so we have passed it. And it's one of the quarter days alongside Lady Day on the 25th of March, Midsummer on the 24th of June and Christmas on 25th of December. So in years gone by, harvests actually needed to be completed by Michaelmas. And in some people consider that that is actually the beginning of autumn, not the autumn equinox, which is the 22nd usually of September. But it does mark a good way to cross off one part of the farming calendar before you move into the next one. And it's also the time of the year when the gentry would hire new staff or when debts must be paid. And it does also explain why school and university terms start in September in many countries. That said, people did stop celebrating Michaelmas as the end of the harvest when Henry VIII broke away from the Catholic Church and instead Harvest Festival became the time to celebrate the harvest instead of Michaelmas. Now, speaking of which, the full moon nearest the autumn equinox is called the Harvest Moon. And in 2020, that was actually a couple of days ago on October the 1st. But what's really cool is we actually get two full moons in October this year, which means that the next one is actually a blue moon, which you only get a blue moon when you get two full moons in the same month. And coincidentally, it falls on Halloween, which makes it extra cool in my book. Now, we've been talking about Michaelmas on the 29th of September here, but Old Michaelmas Day actually falls on the 10th of October. And this is apparently the day when Lucifer fell from heaven. So according to the folklore, he actually landed in a blackberry bush, which you can imagine how much that would have hurt. So apparently, according to this legend, he cursed the fruit and spat on the bush. And this explains why you shouldn't eat blackberries picked after Old Michaelmas Day. Now, as with many things in folklore, this one is actually based in good sense because blackberries can end up fly blown after this point. So they're not really safe to eat anymore. So what better way to warn people off mildewed fruit than saying Lucifer had spat in them? And while we're talking about blackberries, it is apparently good practice to put a blackberry bush by your door because any passing vampires will stop to count them all so they won't bother trying to come into your house. And I do think this brings a whole new meaning to the name The Count. But I'm ch- Anyway, sorry, I actually got that one from the Folk of Palooza, so do definitely go back and listen to that one if you're interested in things to do with weird counting things and vampires. Now, we're going to move on from one fruit to a slightly different kind of fruit, which is that of conkers. And these are essentially the fruit of the horse chestnut tree. Now, these trees aren't native to Britain, and they were only introduced from the Balkans in about the 17th century, so you'd find them quite often in parks and gardens, but not very often in woodland. But they do bring us a tiny little bit of folklore during the autumn. There's not really that much else about them, so there's this is kind of it. But it's basically to do with conkers, which we get from horse chestnuts. When you break open the big green spiky balls that fall off, you get the conkers inside. Now, the first recorded game of conkers was actually in 1848 on the Isle of Wight, but I'm not even going to attempt to give any sense of definitive rules because they do vary as you go around the country. Now, put simply, what you basically do is you take a conker and you thread it onto a piece of string and then you'll face off against an opponent who also has a conker on a string. And then my man was saying that you wrap the string around your hand three times and then you've got to kind of flick your conker at the other person's conker without hitting them or the hand or anything like that. And essentially you're bashing the conkers off against each other and whichever one breaks first loses. It might sound like a peculiar way to spend your time, but I suppose when you don't have an Xbox, you might turn to anything. Now there are some tips and don't just pick up the first conkers that you see. 
So try and collect the heaviest and the fattest ones, but put them in a bowl of water when you get home and get rid of any that float because that basically means that they've got some kind of problem on the inside and they'll just break apart. So you want the ones that basically sink and stay at the bottom. Now, less ethical players might actually soak their conkers in vinegar, salt water or paraffin because this hardens them, which then naturally makes them more difficult to break. And you can also bake unsoaked conkers for 30 minutes, but naturally all of that would be cheating and you wouldn't want to be a cheater at conkers now, would you? There are other uses for conkers as well, according to the folklore, and you could carry them in your pocket to help ward off arthritis. And even better, if you had three shiny conkers, carrying those around would make sure that you always had money. There is a bit of an old wives tale that putting conkers around your house is supposed to repel spiders. So if you basically put them at like windows and doors and things, it's supposed to keep the spiders away. And other people have actually used them to deter moths as well. Now, Rachel Hoskins over at the Woodland Trust does actually note that there's no evidence to show that it does work for spiders. You'll find some people absolutely swear by it and say it's amazing, it always worked. And then other people are like, I've tried it. I still have spiders in my house. But that said, conkers do contain tritopenoid saponin, which has an anti-insect effect. And this particular chemical is released as the conkers dry out. So you can then add fresh conkers to your wardrobe to keep the moths away. I should quickly point out as a slight side issue for having spiders in your house, please do remember that they do eat loads of other bugs and pests that you don't really want in your house. So they are quite efficient pest cleaners and they also don't ask you for money. So that's quite a helpful cleaning service if necessary. I am, of course, talking about the English spiders. I mean, I've, there are poisonous spiders that you wouldn't want in your house. So I am talking about the ones that aren't going to bite you. Now, other folklore does suggest that conkers should be carried to ward off headaches and rheumatism. And conkers do actually contain eicin, which does act as an anti-inflammatory, which in the past has been used to treat bruises and sprains. So who knows, again, maybe there is some truth to that, but I wouldn't necessarily want to put all of my faith in it. Now, we're going to move from the fun and jollity of conkers onto omens, because obviously it's me. There's got to be something to do with death in here. And there are plenty of omens around the autumn because, after all, it was a dangerous time of year for our forebears and a bad harvest could essentially mean the difference between life and death. So they had a range of things to watch out for to help them prepare one way or the other. Now, as Emily at Grow Eat Gift notes, if the leaves fall early, we're going to have a mild autumn and winter. But by comparison, if you have a cold August following a hot July, then you can expect a cold winter. There is another religious feast called Martinmas or the Feast of St Martin, which falls on November the 11th. Obviously, more people now know November the 11th as Armistice Day. But warm weather on St Martin's Day means that we're going to have a harsh winter. And by contrast, a wintry day on Martinmas means a mild Christmas. So basically, we should keep an eye out to see if that's right or not. Apple trees blossoming in autumn meant there was going to be a death in the house of whoever owned the tree, which does also apply to cherry trees as well. And this is a bit of a strange one, but you do need to check the thickness of the skin on your onions. So if it's thick by the end of autumn, you're going to have a cold winter and thin skins imply warm winters. Now, this all kind of dates from the time when obviously people would pay attention to what kind of crops they were getting and then what kind of weather would follow that. So they could kind of predict almost the cycles of the weather from the harvest that they were getting. There is also another belief that if roses and violets flourish in the autumn, some kind of epidemic of disease will follow the next year. Now, that is probably more likely to do with the fact that if it's a wet or sodden kind of time, so there's enough water to sort of bring forward the flowers, then you'll have some kind of epidemic. 
But in Western Scotland, if white roses bloomed in the autumn, that meant that there would be a death in the family. But red roses, weirdly enough, meant that a marriage was on the way. So obviously you would generally, I would imagine, be careful about which rose bush you put in your garden. You may have seen the belief doing the rounds on social media that if you catch a leaf falling from a tree, you'll avoid head colds in the winter and you need to preserve the leaf until you see the new buds on the trees the following spring. Now, Edwin Radford actually related an anecdote in which he saw an elderly couple catching falling oak leaves in Hyde Park and they insisted when he asked them that they'd done so on a yearly basis and had never had a cold. So again, feel free to try that one out. What's the worst that can happen really? Now, a variation on the belief does actually encourage you to catch more than one leaf and each leaf that you catch represents a lucky month in the following year. And I am absolutely up for testing this one, you know, the science. And as you can see from this episode so far, many of the omens attempt to stave off death or misadventure in some shape or form. Now, one of the lovely local legends that I found actually celebrates a death avoided. And obviously this is local if you're in Hampshire. Now, the 7th of October marks the Lost in the Dark Peel at Twyford Church in Hampshire because back in 1754, a local man named William Davis got lost while riding home at night. Now, according to the tale, he almost rode over the edge of a cliff. Thankfully, just before he did so, he actually heard Twyford's church bells tolling in the darkness. Now, because the sound came from a completely different direction than he expected, he realised he was going in the wrong way. So he pulled up his horse to try and stop to figure out where he was. Now, luckily at this point, he noticed the cliff edge and he suddenly realised, hang on a minute, if I hadn't stopped, me and my horse would be lying broken at the bottom of the quarry. And Davis was so grateful that he left money to the church so that they could ring a peal of bells every year. Now, the tradition has actually continued ever since, with the bells rung before 9.30am and around 7pm, depending on the availability of the bell ringers. And I just thought that was such a lovely little story compared to a lot of the other things where it's like, oh, your, your harvest is going to fail if it rains on this particular day, or oh, you've got to carry conquest to ward off rheumatism, or oh, make sure that you catch a leaf so you don't get a head cold. It was quite nice to have a really lovely little story in there as well. So not all legends and folklore are always negative. But this whole range of autumn superstitions and omens do point to the dangers of life in past centuries. Many of them are also rooted in observation, although obviously the effects are less keenly felt now. And due to the effects of climate change, there are going to be some things which probably don't make sense now. And obviously in an age of central heating, refrigeration and the import of foodstocks, we're far less dependent on our surroundings. Though that said, we should remember that that doesn't mean that they're not dependent on us. So please do remember to leave out seeds or fat balls for your local bird population, preferably somewhere that cats can't get to them. And always check your bonfires for hibernating hedgehogs before you light them for bonfire night in November. And finally, you might want to consider lighting a candle to help your ancestors find their way home at Halloween. Now, I hope that you enjoyed all that autumn folklore. Please do let me know what you think of autumn. Is it a season that you particularly like? Do you prefer the spring? Obviously, for my people in the Southern Hemisphere, you're going to be coming into the spring soon. So how are you guys feeling about your season that's coming in as well? Please do let me know. As always, if you do enjoy the podcast, I do always appreciate reviews because it does basically mean that the search engines kind of promote the podcast for me. So it means more people can find the podcast and enjoy the same content that you do. So reviews are great. Word of mouth is always wonderful. So please do tell a friend if you enjoy what you hear. 
And if you do feel so inclined, you can financially support the podcast by either becoming a regular Patreon supporter and you get various bits and pieces according to how much you feel called to pay to support me. And you can also give one-off donations by buying me a coffee. And I think you probably all know by now how much I enjoy my coffee. And weirdly enough, I haven't actually had one today. But anyway, that is the end of this week's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please, as I say, do let me know what your favourite season is. It's always nice to know what people think. And if anybody has ever actually won a game of Conkers, like shoot me a message as well and actually explain to me how it works because I can't remember. It's that long since I've played it. Anyway, without any further ado, I will see you next week when we start getting into all the deathly and spooky stuff for October. Cheerio! Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you did, feel free to subscribe using whichever podcast app it is that you prefer. If you do use iTunes, if you could leave me a review, that would be fab. Basically, it just means iTunes are more likely to recommend this to other people. And if you're interested in more folklore, please feel free to swing by my blog, which is www.icsedgwick.com. And that's Sedgwick spelled S-E-D-G-W-I-C-K. And you can find all of the links, images and other bits and pieces that hopefully you enjoy. So have an absolutely fab week ahead and I'll see you soon. Cheerio.